it, 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 it's still season six. Wow, season six. Man. If uh, if you're if you're sitting there wondering, you know, season six. Wow. How do I how do I support these people? Just share it with your friends. That's yeah. all we ask. Um, rate us on whatever podcast platform. You know, tweet about us. Uh, whatever you want. We love you guys. We want to chat. As of now. Let's talk. Yeah. I would love to hear more from each and every one of you. Anyway, let's... Uh, I'm rambling. Let's get on with the episode. Let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And, uh, well, as you heard last last season, last episode, we wanted to kind of broaden our horizons, uh, modern horizons, no, uh, we wanted to talk more about our our secret love of uh, 60-card casual, uh, a little bit more. Maybe not completely, but... uh, wanted to relate it back to commander and so i came up with this brilliant idea as a genius man and uh (laughs) figured we'll format this episode or this season uh episode by episode kind of talking about different aspects of deck building in itself uh and every aspect is a new step and then when we get to my deck tale episode eight i'll have a new deck i'll have a 60 card deck and it'll be fun because currently I've got like one and a half 60 card decks, uh, and they're both just kind of thrown together with some lands, and they're not very creative. Uh, so this episode we figured we'd talk about some land uh, and get a bit more specific than we did last time we talked about utility lands, and talk about the idea of you know how many car how many how many lands what kind of lands, um, and I love land. Next episode, uh, for those wondering, is going to also be a deck tale, but we'll bring out one of uh, both Bruce and my favorite of his 60-card decks, and oh, it's so fun, And which is actually kind of what gave me this idea for, for this, this, this season arc of, of kind of uh, making a 60-card, is because, as you guys will see, his decks... Always just have that creative flair of like the commander state of mind, yeah. where it's 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 expressing yourself through the build itself, um, and not necessarily an optimized play. Um, right, and if any if any if any of you commander players out there who've never touched the, who've never touched a sixty card casual or who you know are unsure as to how how relevant any of this is going to be, uh, trust me, there's we can I can talk about sixty card casual. But in the end, it, it ports so well, yeah. in, so well into Commander, especially the the style that that I tend to propound as far as sixty card casual. Um, there's all sorts of ways to play it because it is wide open. But uh, I definitely try and bring a Commander feel to it. So um, you can expect us to talk about talk about it in that way. So this is uh, you know. We're gonna focus. We're gonna focus on sixty, but it's still gonna be completely relevant to just about to all of our listeners who are commander only players. Yeah, I I I think that all of these these ideas uh, on a basic level will be transferable, and we will talk about them uh, because it's 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 only natural to end up talking about commander. Let's see. Previously on Land Central, speaking of a topic. That's important for sixty card and just as important for commander players. Um, lands now. Andy proposed that we we go a little bit more in depth on a couple of the on a couple of ideas, um, and I am all about that. So we wanted to at least start the start the podcast off with sort of when to use non basic slash duels. Um, we're looking at if you're running a if you're running a monocolor deck, what non basics would you want to be running in those decks? Mm. Um, if you're running duels, can you still run uh, run utility lands that don't offer either of the colors that you're looking for? Uh, what about three color, four color decks? You know, at what point do you look at Kessig Wolfrun and say, no, this is uh, I, I can't put this in the deck, um, or or is there a you know 
which, you know, what other uh, just colorless cards do you want to try and fit into the deck that uh, colorless, <laughs> ma- colorless mana producers that uh, that just shouldn't go in the deck? Right. Because, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, but obviously there's, there's a limit to, I mean, sure, you're making a lot of mana, but can you use it? Um, and then, I mean, I think we'll we'll end up wrapping it up with talking about our the very basic the, the you see them in everything, evolving wilds, terramorphic expanse, to an extent, fabled passage. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, I didn't realize this when I started Magic four years ago. Don't don't use them in monocolored decks. Uh, but we'll get there uh, with time. Um, I I sent you some questions during lunch today. Uh, and I, I figure I'll, I'll start at the top. Uh, duels. Yeah. Uh, when do you use them? Why would you use them? And how, like how many, like in, with regards to the 60 card, you can use up to four copies of a card. Why wouldn't you use all four or would you? I mean, like, I, like there's definitely been times where I've, I've, I've had a deck and I'm like, obviously I don't have these, you know, uh, Spire Garden, for instance, it, it's the uh, Battle Bond Land yeah. for Red Green. Obviously, I don't have four of those, uh, so I wouldn't put it in a sixty-card deck. Um, so there's 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 one restriction <laughs> for me at least. Right. Um, but like, there's there's something to having it in a deck. Yeah. Well. Okay. So right back to basics. Um, mm-hmm. Haha. Basics. Um, assuming uh, when when to use you know when to use duels well okay first off you want to use them in in decks that are running more than one color whether whether you're commander or 60 card that's where you're going to be using them obviously there are plenty of 60 card decks where the focus is to steal opponent's creatures and they have abilities and you want to be able to use the abilities so you want to have multicolored lands that so that you can activate these other abilities for whatever reason, but primarily speaking, if you don't need the extra color, don't do it. Virtually every duel has a downside in that it either comes into play tapped, or it, or you pay, or you pay life, or you're taking, or you, whatever the the downside is, mm-hmm. to get that extra color, which almost always makes the basic land a better choice if you're never going to use the other color. So. That's sort of where you start. The question becomes, how many colors? How big? So if I'm running a, a two-color, let's say a green-white, mm-hmm. well, how much, how much green and how much white do I need? And if it's two colors, can I get away with just, with just basics for a two-color deck? Um, and so much of that depends on how heavily you're into each of those colors. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, like that's kind of where I start anyway. Is right. like, well, I'll fill out this deck with basics. See then what I have for non basics, whether they are, you know, come into play tap lands like the temples or yeah. the the life gain ones. Then you have to like consider like how many of each do you run and like. Part of me, I've I've made two color decks before, and a part of me has been like, why don't why don't I just put in four of six different duels? Uh, and obviously the answer there is that you're going to have, you're, you're not going to, it's not going to be fast enough for one. Um, so like you're going to want basics in that way. Um, right. I mean, because, part of, yeah. And part of the reason that you want basics, like you really don't want to overdo the amount of duels you're running because Adding more duels means removing basics because you're going to run X number of lands. Mm-hmm. So adding more duels means you're running fewer basics, which means um, a lot of ways you have to search for land is you're searching for a basic. So you mm. don't want to run out. You don't want to have too few basics. Um, you want to have you want to have at least a few basics of every color in your deck because that allow you know if you only need if you only have two mountains in your deck. Well, then you definitely don't want them to be duels because you want them to be basic so you can search for them. Right. Now, if you've got the kind of basics that you can 
are the kind of non-basics that allow you to search, whether they're the shock lands or the original duels or any other duel that lists the basics and you can, you know, and this, the card is asking you to search for a forest or search for a plains, you can do that. But generally speaking, you do want to limit the amount of duels that you have. Um, a lot of the land destruction out there really focuses on non-basics. So you want to limit the amount that you're going to get hammered on that. Um, yeah. Obviously that... That is very meta-dependent, but it's something right. to think about. Um, I think along with that, too, uh, with the land destruction, not only do they usually focus on non-basics, but the newer ones, like uh, Field of Ruin, yeah. for instance, uh, lets the controller then go search for a basic. And if you don't have any basics, then you're actually just down a land. Right. Um, and this and I've seen it happen. I've played against opponents, especially in commander games, who love to run uh, cards that sacrifice all of your lands, find that many land, find that many basics in your deck, put those into play. You know, the, so if you're running enough basics, you can line it up so that all your mana is still there, everything is still good. You just lost your duels. However, if your if your deck is way overreaching on duels, then you are going to get hammered with cards like that. So I try to avoid that. Now, so having said that. Why would you ever run duels? Well, because duels are going to increase your the, the chances that you're going to have the colors that you need earlier in the game when you desperately need them. So, um, I mean, I did a I did a very brief run through with my Marchesa the Black Rose deck, and with the idea being it's three colors, and I went through and figured out how many lands I was going to need in in the deck. Not surprisingly, it came out to thirty eight. My decks almost always run 40 lands, but um, I went specifically looking at the colors. And to get the land that I wanted by turn five, 75% of the time, I was going to have to run uh, 47 basic lands. Okay, so I'm not running 47 basics. Mm, this why is, not? well, because I'm only running 40 lands, and I'd like other cards in the deck to actually do things with all this mana that I'm getting. So if you're going to run 40, then you need to have ways to access the colors that you need. And that's going to come with duels, prim primarily with duels. Or, and when I say duels, we're including the lines right. that tap for three, or that can you know, do three different colors, or tap for all five, you know, get you yeah. any color. Man. Exotic orchard type. Exactly. Yeah. So, but when you do that, then you reduce the number of lands you need to get to the colored mana that you need. So if I run 10, 10 duels out of my 40, it can reduce the number of lands that I need significantly to get uh, to, get to the, the, at least the color requirements that I have. So that is primarily the reason I run duels. Now, in the end, I usually end up going through my stack of land, picking out the, the duels that are the right color and getting the ones that I want, like the temples and a handful of others. And then I look at look at my deck and see how big a mana hog it is for a particular color. The difference between uh, a creature that costs two, two and two green mana versus a creature that costs three and one green. Mm -hmm. So the creature that costs two and two green is much harder to cast on turn four than the creature that costs three and one green if you're playing a multicolored deck. If it's a monocolor, well, everything you're playing is a forest, so it doesn't really matter whether it costs two <laughs> green and two or one green and three um, but in a but in a multicolored deck then you really want to have uh, you have to keep that in mind that if you're running a card that costs two green in a three color deck how quickly do you want to be able to play that card and if so you need to uh, you need to really represent the amount of green that's in your deck I tend to refer to this as uh, how how mana intensive is your deck so like I mean all fails just run all basics figure out uh the good split of yeah. i mean i usually count the pips and then figure out um the like percentage of pips uh just in casting costs not in activation costs usually um but like you know then i count them all up in all all colored pips in casting cost and then I have a sum. And then uh, I divide it into each color and then find a percentage and then use that percentage, multiply it by, say, 40 for, like, a base yeah. level of uh, 
for basics. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I can figure out, you know, what duels I want to add, what utility lands I want to add. Uh, and that gives me a rough estimate. But then you need to also look at what is an early play. Like if, yeah. you know, if you don't get your first black uh, in your curve until, I don't know, uh, like if, if like everything below two or most things below two cost are like white everything or and then like you don't have really black until two or later right like you want to lean a little more toward the white even if the pips are uh are black heavy in the deck as a total uh that also i guess like comes down to deck construction also like uh, like maybe you built it wrong if that's the way it is. Well, uh, yes and but, no. I mean, um, I think if, if we're dealing with just basics, yeah. I think the 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 thing to keep in mind is that like it is like a needle where it's like, well, the deck is heavily black, so it, it leans that way, and then it comes back a little because it's white early. Um, something something that I always look at with the deck is. How long do I want mana? For example, do I want to have a land drop on every turn until what turn? Until mm-hmm. turn five. Okay, great. Well, you can do that with the colors as well. So just because you want to land on until every turn until fi- until turn five, it doesn't mean it has to be black every turn. And maybe you've only got you know four black cards in your entire deck, but they do need to be cast early. So you're like, okay, well... I need at least one black mana by turn two. So then you do the math based on that. So on turn two, you've seen eight cards. Well, it means one in every eight cards in your deck should roughly. This is this is not. Well, you've probably seen nine if right. you're playing multiplayer. Yeah. So say one in every nine cards should be should be a land that can produce black mana. Um, mm. And keep in mind, if you're also doing that. Don't, don't have it set up so that all any any of your lands that produce black mana all come into play tapped because you're essentially adding another turn onto when you can get black right. mana. So, so you got to keep that in mind. So if that is what you're going to do, then you're really looking at it as you know, bump your math up so that you wanted to turn earlier, and then do the calculations because then you'll have some sense of how many. You know, how many lands do you think you're, how many lands need to produce black mana to get that consistently? Well, then you just look at the numbers and figure that out. Um, <laughs> and whereas that same deck, instead of having, you know, you might only have four black cards, maybe you've got 20 white cards. Well, okay, so when do you need a white card? You know, oh, okay, uh, most of my white cards I don't need to cast until turn four. Okay, do you need two planes by turn four or just one? And then do the math based on that. So um, it's, uh, you know, and just sort of go from there. And then once you get the raw numbers, then you get a sense of, okay, if I'm going to put, for a commander deck, if I'm going to put 40 or 38 cards in this deck, then you've got your percentages sort of worked out. Because mm. you'll know that, you know, okay, well, I figured this out and I need seven black, seven lands that produce black and I need, 15 that produce white and whatever jam the numbers together uh and work out the percentage so that it fits with your 38 or 40 40 lands in your deck um and obviously you do the same with your 60 card decks um i would be looking at more like 24 lands total and you just work the percentages based on that Um, yeah yeah um i think that also like then begs the question of like i mean obviously you've got mana rocks to help fix mana you've got certain lands that help fix mana uh you know whether it's the filter lands the storage lands um you've got uh the 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 basic fetches like terramorphic expanse type uh which we'll again we'll get to later um but like to an extent like there's been a lot of talk about uh chromatic lantern and how that fits in the meta of commander as a as a whole Um, i think it's a genius card that costs way too much monetarily because for three mana you get perfect mana uh so like great um 
But what point, especially for 60-card decks, because the, the threshold is much lower, um, what what like what is a general rule of thumb or like a percentage, I guess? I, I don't know what you're thinking in terms of answer, but like... Uh, at what point is it too much where you're just jamming in utility lands and things that do other things than create colored mana? Um, I obviously it's deck deck it is, dependent. It's, it's very deck dependent. Um, when I when I add duels, um, mm-hmm. I look at them as you know when I'm working out when I need what color by what turn. I treat the duels as both. I, I, so, so they double up. They do, they do double duty. Um, I, some people look at them as half. I, I just don't. I, I see them as a full, full on either side. Now, that's great until your deck is uh, super mana intensive. So if you're running, well, running one of my, my favorite Archon, Kron, um, <laughs> that deck is extremely mana intensive. I mean, Kron costs six. It's three white and three green. So you can run all basics, but you're probably never going to get to cast him on turn six because you need exactly the right mana. You run more Mm. duels in a deck like that to increase your chances. The trick there, though, is that you can't then then say um, that it's going to be... uh, You can't treat the duel as one of each because it is only one of when casting this. Most of the time, you're looking at a card in hand and you're like, okay, this costs five. Well, you probably got the five on the board because only one or two of them are going to be colored mana. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. So in those cases, a duel works out just just fine because it's either the one color you need or a different color you need if it's a different card. It becomes a lot trickier when you're required when you when you've done your calculations and it works out so that that duel is now having to play the role of of providing green and white mana. It's like, well, it can't do both on the one on the one turn. So yeah. you need so you need to set it up accordingly. So you really have to look at the how in, mana intensive your deck is, um, even more so than the, than uh, the number of colors. Uh, I think a three color deck generally is more mana intensive than a two but a two color deck like Kron, that can get uh, you really have to manage your mana with with cards like that and with decks like that um and then when you get up into four and five color decks well then it starts becoming less about okay i've got a five color deck how do i make the lands work and more a case of i have a five color deck but this color is almost never used like I, I, it's on right. know, like, like the red is only on one or two cards. Okay, well then you you know you make the adjustment for that, but practically speaking, it's it's a very different setup. Yeah, and I, I like there are definitely like tools out there to help with just figuring out numbers. Just oh yeah, like a rough estimate. Um, <laughs> I mean. I've been, I always, you know, generally when I build decks, I go on that rough estimate. The idea of yeah. what turn do I want it by? How many do I want? How many cards will I have seen by then? And just figure out the, the math and then extrapolate it for your 60 card deck or your 100 card deck. Right. Sorry, your 99 card deck. Your commander's not in the deck. Um, <laughs> or 98. Or 98, yes, if you've got partners. Um, or 97 if you have partners and a companion. <laughs> All right. Well, you get what I mean, um, but it's uh, so, and that's that's just rough math, um, right? It's you know, and it just gives you a general a general sense. Now, I mean, like for this oh, for this show, I went and found the hypergeometric probability calculator. Whoa! Which um, I don't even know what that means. Uh, essentially, what it what, I did not take statistics. Well, that's just it. This is a essentially this is a statistics calculator for people who don't want to have to figure it out every single time. Uh, essentially, you you get the you get your uh, your hypergeometric probability calculator. You figure out your population size, which is your deck size, uh, 
mm-hmm. and you fill, you know, work out with what, you know, you put in all the numbers based around your deck and what you want, and then it spits out a percentage or, you know, it spits out the number of lands that you need of that particular type or just the number of lands you need in your deck. Um, mm-hmm. And and it also, more importantly, gives you the percentage of times when you're going to get that. So if you've decided that my deck should only have 33 lands and that's the way it's going to go, well, you can pump that into your uh, probability calculator and it will tell you how often you're actually, how many lands you're actually going to see on average or how often you're going to see as many lands as you think you need. So if you're running 33 lands and you think you should be get, and you need five by turn five, well, this is going to tell you what the odds are of that happening. Well, folks, they're not good. Um, so <laughs> it's nice running the calculator because I think that this is yet another tool which will encourage people to run more lands in their decks. It is disturbing how, how difficult it is to get the, land, the number of lands that you want over the course yeah. of the game and you start pumping you start putting these numbers into the calculator and you realize you know only half of the time are you actually even going to get the land that you need and it's like well okay yeah. so half of the games you're not going to have enough land well why what are you playing so so i think fix yeah your deck. and i i think that that is one of many things that is speeding up this format is the idea that like people refuse to add more lands because they want to play more cards. Uh, and so instead of adding more lands, they just need to have a smaller requirement. They need three lands by turn three instead of five by five. And so like, they're just playing right now, smaller, like, like, like less cost things. Exactly. And uh, most people are going to then turn around and say, I don't need, my my deck to provide five lands on turn five because i'm going to have ramp i need my deck to provide three lands by turn three and then i will be churning out you know i will have plenty of ways to search for lands or or play mana rocks or whatever yeah so that i will be able to ramp up um and while i appreciate that <laughs> and I, th- I think ramp is important why wouldn't you just play some more land if you right. can draw, if you can have a way to draw a land naturally for the first five turns, then your entire ramp package can be rock, mana rocks, and you're just playing rocks on top of the lands you're already playing. Play the lands and play your ramp package. Do both. Do both. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough because like it, I think it's a really good exercise to like get that number. Like you know, first step in building a deck is always just adding more and more cards but like if you have that 40 land and then you get it down to the 99 it's a it's a exercise in figuring out what needs to be there um rather than just like oh this is good card uh it's like does this card advance my deck yeah uh and keeping that 40 land just stagnant is uh ideal right um and i will say Having done the maths on on a number of my decks for a long time, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily do the math anymore because I already know. Like, okay, so this card costs this much and I really want to be able to cast this on curb, so I know that I'm going to have to do this and I know, based on what I've seen in the past, that I need roughly this many lands. And then, you know, I build it on Architect and Architect gives me a percentage of, uh, you know, there, there's stats button. Yeah. Gives me the percentage of, of the button. colors that I think I, that I'm going to need for this, and then I take a look at it and say, okay, so how how mana intensive is my deck, and how many more duels should I be running because it's that mana intensive, or because yeah. they're just you know because it's a three color deck, and I think that I should have more ways to get multiple mana. So yeah, because yeah. I mean there there's like in terms of figuring out if you need duels, like there's a point in the game where the color you're tapping a land for doesn't super matter because like at some point like like you're ending up paying for generic mana costs in some way yeah. so like how you're tapping is more important than what lands you have down right um so Andy, um, before we jump into uh the utility lands yeah and the and 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 a quick discussion of of terramorphic expanse and his good buddy uh, maybe we ought to head over for the break. Oh, I would love that. 
I gotta I gotta go turn on the oven to preheat it. Um, but we're gonna throw it to break, uh, and uh, we'll we'll see what comes out. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Maze of If. Please, don't count Maze of If as a land in your land counts. Hey, hey! Hey! Good to be back. My oven's on. Excellent. And that's not a euphemism. It's literally on. He- uh-huh. Heating to what temp? 475. Isn't that crazy? 475? I'm pretty sure. I should probably go check oh. that that's what the instruction said. I'll be right back. What? Cool. I also had to take off my long sleeve shirt because it's about to get hot in here. Yeah, no, 475. It's the, the Trader Joe's fish nuggets. Wow, 475. Holy yeah, God. for 15 to 18 minutes. Oh, yeah. My dinner last night? Popcorn. Hell yeah. Yeah, we get uh, Anthony's Anthony's cheddar powder. Ooh. Anthony's cheddar powder, some butter, and some smoked paprika. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ding let's ding. Talk about some round two. Again. We're still we're still live, so let's keep going. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, where were we? Uh, so we were about to talk about utility lands, um, mm. and by utility lands, uh, what we're sort of talking about here is. Lands that don't tap for the particular colors of mana that you need. So these right. are lands that are taking away, for, or you're you're adding a land to the deck, but you're not getting any of the color requirements that you that your deck right. needs. So when should you be running these? Uh, whenever, um, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, the ones that we're gonna more talk about are gonna be. Uh, the ones that tap for colorless and then have an ability. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got uh, like the hideaway lands. Like most most things that are a utility land that tap for a color, like the the hideaway lands, come in tapped. Yeah. Um, but the ones that don't tap for color, generally, don't yeah. come in tapped. Sometimes they do, uh, sometimes they don't. But yeah, I mean, uh, usually when I think about cards that tap for mana. Um, or the tap that the utility lands we're talking about. I think of cards like Strip Mine. I think of uh, Kessig Wolf Run. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to bring. Yeah, you know, cards like that. So that they have an ability, and a lot of times you tap to use that ability, but otherwise you can tap it for mana. Um, <laughs> and it's usually colorless. So how many of those do you use? Well, so much of that is going to depend on your. It's going to depend on your deck. Look at how much colored mana requirements that you have. Now, if it takes all of your land to get your colored mana requirements, then I guess you're not running any utility lands because you can't afford to put them in. If you are, if you have some empty slots, then you can put them in. Um, but just keep in mind how many... Uh, every one of those utility lands that you put in makes it just that little bit harder to get the colored mana that you need. So, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, if Keswick Wolf Run, if adding a copy of Keswick Wolf Run to your deck means that you're now only running one mountain, well... You're going to have a hard time activating that Keswick Wolf Run. Well, exactly. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, that's, you know, it just little little things like that, that. They sound real obvious when we do it here, when we talk about it here. But when you're building your deck and you've built this deck and everything looks great... And then someone says, hey, did you, what about Kessig Wolfrun? You're like, that's awesome. And you throw it in there and then you pull out another land because you don't want to get, get any more land in your deck. And you think you're ready to go and look what you've done. So Right. And on top of that, like, if you're playing 60 card. Yes. You can have four. Well. But, like, what is four Kessig Wolfruns going to do? Well, like, why? Like, what? I, I think this may be a, a topic for another episode coming up but like uh what like for land i guess specifically and like obviously this is case by case uh do you have like a rule of thumb of like why you would choose one two or three or i guess four sometimes um yeah so as you said right at the start of the show if you only have one you're only running one but 
practically speaking, assuming that you could run four, um, when do you do it? Look at the utility that the card is offering and make your decision based on that. Um, something like Kessig Wolf Run, practically speaking, if you're running two copies, um, you're not running two copies because you're going to have two creatures that get the bonus and trample. You're running two copies to improve the odds of actually getting it. Because obviously, if you've got four copies of Kessig Wolf Run, you're going to draw it earlier in the game than you would later. So then just, just sort of go from there. Now, I will say with 60 card decks, I'm never going to run four copies of Kessig Wolf Run because it's not a card <laughs> I want until, until we get a little, at least into the late mid game and, 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 or end game. Because early on, I want to be casting creatures. <clears throat> I'm not that worried if my creatures can't trample because right now I just need creatures. I need stuff to block with. There's probably somebody who's wide open. I don't need the trample effect. So I'm going to hold off. Um, but then it becomes, how badly do you need it? What percentage of your creatures don't have trample? How much mana are you expecting to have at the end? So is Kessig Wolfrun just simply there as, you know, tap it, a red and a green for trample? Um, so then you start looking. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. yeah. I mean, if you're using it for just the trample, I mean, it's the same as Garg the Rage Pits. <laughs> right, um, and so you can use something else. Um, but how badly you need it determines a lot how bad or sorry how badly and when in the game do you need it will determine how many copies you want um yeah. the other part is a lot of uh, a lot of the newer utility lands or at least there was a stretch where they did a lot of utility lands that were legendary well i, I definitely not going to run four legendary utility lands in a deck because i can only play one of them so if mm. you ever draw or if you ever get the second one well it is as dead a card as it can be. I mean, I guess technically you can tap the first one, play out the next one, uh, destroy the, the the tap one, and then get to tap the new one. But that's you know those are <laughs> those are rarer yeah. situations where you're not really looking for that. So, and I think that yeah, like the legendary thing definitely we'll talk more about when uh, it comes to the the future episode of figuring out one, two, three, or four copies. Yeah. Um, because, like, if it's if it's your plan, if you need it, mm -hmm. then you have to run more than you'd want um, just to make sure that you do actually get it. Right. Um, I, I have a... Uh, I have a, a two-color deck that I recently built. Mm -hmm. um, I've yet to play it just because of, right. you know, life. Um, but, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to challenge myself to put in as many copies of Temple of False God as possible. Right. Um, I ended up putting in two because it's a two color deck and I need that color. Like, right. And I mean, I was talking to you about this after I finished the build mm -hmm. and, uh, I realized if it was a monocolor deck, I could probably get away with it super easy. Um, with a monocolored deck, as long as it's not like like super pip heavy. Yeah, I mean you could go up to three. Now I will mm. say that part of the benefit. You know, this is one of those. It, it's bizarre, but Temple of the False God is far better in Commander than it is in sixty card, and it's better in Commander because it just pays your Commander tax. Mm. Um, and with one land, when you look at hundred card deck. Um, and and the way you mulligan, you're not going to be drawing that. You're not going to be having that card in your opening hand, and the likelihood of it showing up as anything other than a land beyond as your fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth land is not real good. Now, with a sixty card deck, you've only got twenty four lands, and you can you know if you include it as one, well then it's one of twenty four as opposed to one of forty. Um, yeah, the, the odds do get a lot. It, it becomes a little more difficult in trying to make sure that you know when you mulligan, are you you're going to mulligan more hands because of Temple of the False God? And if you start running two or three of them, well, then you have to start <laughs> looking at it and saying to yourself, well, you know what, I am going to play Temple as my fourth land because I also has tem have Temple as my fifth. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's, you know, to, to try and do things like that. So I think it's tough, too, because, like, if you look at it kind of in a vacuum. Right. You know, if you have all four out, all you need is one more land. And now you have nine mana. Yeah. Um, but it's getting to that point of the fifth land. Um, and that is nine mana where one of it probably makes it color, um, which isn't great. Uh, right. But I think that that kind of comes back to this idea of of uh, fixing, like like color fixing. Well, like um, I mean, take the, you mentioned the hideaway lands earlier. So let's mm-hmm. moss warp bridge. How many copies green? are you going to run? Yeah, green. How many copies of that do you want to run in a deck? Assuming that you've got, you know, I mean, assuming you're playing primarily with permanence, you know, you just have to. The only thing you're really considering here is that it comes into play tapped and go from there. Because honestly, if your hideaway is your turn one, then that's fine. But how many how many lands do you want coming onto the battlefield tapped? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, this is a one-for-one one replacement for a forest, but it's just that little bit slower. So, you know, do you want to play three copies? I guess it will depend on the other lands you have in the deck, because... I personally would be comfortable if I'm running a, a monocolor deck. Then I'm a okay if three or four of my lands come into play tapped. That's fine, but yeah, me. but that's my that's my personal threshold. As far as other people, they would say no, but uh, or maybe some people would say that they're okay with even more. But um, yeah, I find the hideaways an interesting example too, because like obviously perfect turn one like fine whatever right um or not perfect because like you don't generally necessarily know exactly what you need for one of those four cards or of one of those four cards um but you'll generally have a pretty good idea of what what you'll want um so it's it's really good that early in the game but it is also pretty good later in the game where you don't necessarily need to continue <clears throat> making more mana. Um, you know, like you, you have a critical mass of like of of mana producing pip color producing lands. Um, and there's a critical mass of non color producing lands. Um, and generally, obviously, that one's going to be a little lower because you want the color earlier. So having more is going to guarantee more or less guarantee that you get the colors that you need earlier. Um, and then the utility lands as themselves, especially the ones that don't produce color, mm-hmm. um, are like the critical mass is going to shrink the more the 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 utility is not as relevant like for instance Arjavarazka, you draw a card like that's relevant but like there's other ways you can draw cards uh without making it a land um obviously the land is nice because if you're stuck in a pickle and you just need to draw then great if you're an instant speed kind of deck then it's great you hold up those counter spells yeah comes back to you you draw a card um but if it it, in general you're gonna have other ways in your deck to draw cards uh then it it doesn't make as much sense to have multiple copies of arch of arazka um yeah so you so you look at it that way and you and, and work it out um one of the other cards that i was sort of looking at is um and this is going to be a little less relevant, at least my example will be, a card like Urborg. Now, I'm not talking Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth, just <laughs> Urborg. Um, for those who don't play against me on a regular basis, I love these uh, legendary lands from Legends. Um, Urborg reads, uh, it's a legendary land, and it says, tap, add black to your mana pool. That's right. It's a legendary land. It does not come into play tapped, but it does tap for black mana. And then it also says, tap, tar- tap, target creature loses first strike or swamp walk until the end of the turn. So it <laughs> gives you a little bonus. Now, how much swamp walk is out there nowadays? Eh. First strike is sort of there. It, realistically, I, I put this deck in, I put this card in my deck because of the art. 
but I also, I only ever put a one of in because I just don't feel like there's any downside if there's only one copy of this card. It's just all upside. Um, and I'm only putting it in decks where I have enough swamps so that if I'm looking for basics, they're still out there. So uh, this is one of those weird utility lands that I don't think offers a whole lot of downside. Um, it's like the, um, the artifact it's lands. Just, yeah. uh, so the artifact land of, of, of each color. If you're running one or two of those, there's, there's just not a whole lot of downside there. Uh, I mean, the downside is that someone will you know, destroy all artifacts. And depending on your meta, that can be much more serious. But for our meta, there's just not a real downside to that. It just becomes a question of whether or not there's an upside for you to for you to do it in the first place. So, yeah. So I mean, we've sort of been dancing around this a little bit. So let's let's kind of get into it with the terramorphic expanse. Yeah. Um, we sort of wanted to wrap talking about um, the expanse and evolving wilds. Thank you. Um. And yeah, fabled and passage, I guess, to some extent. But yeah. Um. So with those cards, um, I guess less so fable passage um it they offer fixing and for those who don't know fixing is uh being able to choose uh what color or to be able to recognize what color you're lacking and go literally fix your mana like uh go be able to find the land color that you need to be able to play the spells generally your next turn because with those two specifically, they come in tapped. Fable Passage, if you have four right. or more lands, it comes in tapped, and then you untap it. Um, Essentially, what the what Terramorphic Expanse says is this: this land comes into play tapped. Choose one. Choose a color. This mm. land only taps for that color for the rest of the game. That's essentially what you're getting. Now that means it could tap for any color. But you have to pick the one that it's going to tap for for the rest of the game. Now, <clears throat> but it comes in a play tapped, and that's sort of the issue with this card. Um, if you're running two colors, then you're sacking this to go get one color or the other color. Okay, so it's the same as a dual land that says when it comes into play, it comes into play tapped. You can only choose one of these colors. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so why are you running Terramorphic Expanse? over a dual land that comes into play tapped because they're 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 virtually right. the same thing terramorphic expanse starts to become better when you're looking at three color lands uh when you're when yeah. your deck is running three colors now you can find one of any of those colors and that's right. a lot harder to do with other stuff especially with the example that you were talking about earlier where if you have you know if you're running three colors and you're running like two cards that have red in them right like you're going to be running very few mountains. So, like, if by the time you get your Evolving Wilds or Terramorphic Expanse out, if you don't have any mountains, go search for a mountain. Right. Um, because it's going to be such a small percentage to be able to find those lands uh, just by drawing. And, um, I mean, obviously with Chromatic Lantern, like, they, there are all of these edge cases where, like, you can end up using the land well uh there's also the fact that if you're using 60 card decks and you've got a few copies of either of these mm -hmm. or both of these um you're starting to quote unquote thin out your deck which like isn't insignificant but it is generally like if you had just like yeah if you find yourself <clears throat> searching for a specific color especially in a two color deck um, just replace it with mm -hmm. one of those cards. Um, it's, right. it's, I mean, it's the same thing that we were talking about with specifically duels. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and there are a handful, it, of, it, handful of deck types where getting yeah. lands into the graveyard is a good thing. And right. Terramorphic Expanse obviously is great there. Yeah, either lands in the graveyard, either being able to play lands out of the graveyard. Yeah. Um, if you have landfall triggers, it's great. Uh, you play it tap and sack you get it uh play it landfall trigger tap and sack another landfall trigger if you're not playing a landfall trigger it doesn't really ma matter as much uh to you but uh you know if you're playing a single colored deck 
replace it with a basic uh because unless you have yeah. landfall it's not useful right uh that was i i learned that too far into tech building i think it was like my second deck uh somebody somebody in our player group was like you don't do not do not run this card yeah it, it just put in a mountain and i was like oh okay um yeah i didn't understand why at first and then playing with it i was like oh okay right um but i mean it, it i feel like these cards uh especially with this rising popularity of three color commanders uh especially with yeah uh, more and more partners being added uh these cards i feel like are are starting to be like are still undervalued um because i mean they're not they're not excellent but they like when you start to have those three colors it is exactly what you need a turn late but like it's exactly what you need and it does get you out of those emergencies that having the basic of a wrong color does not Um, right so as much as i'm you know not excited about this for a two color deck (laughs) uh when you're talking about a three color four five um this card just goes and gets the basic you need you know i mean think about this in in your in your five color deck i mean this it gets any any color and it's a basic so you're going to find the basic and put it into play tap and that's that's fine because you're getting the one you absolutely must have then um so yeah i think that you know i think this is a great shot um i think too especially like um (laughs) where i mean we've said it time and time again uh we don't play optimally um but like we do like the 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 flip side of that is like we do want to play right like um so like not being able to make the color mana that we want is difficult uh not having the land drops on curve makes that difficult uh you know whether it's having 40 or 24 land uh, depending on what kind of deck you're building, uh, and then also not having the correct colors when you need them, right? Um, is the is one of my is I mean this is why I wanted to make this the first first lesson uh, for me is because it's the the hardest thing that I still struggle with. Uh, four years later, I'm like I I don't know, just I'll you know as a placeholder, I'll put in in a commander deck, I'll put in twenty and twenty for a two color deck. Uh, until I get to the end of the deck build, and then I'll figure out my land then. Right. Um, but then I'm like staring at it. I'm like, oh, like I forgot about you know, utility lands. <clears throat> okay, so to sort of wrap this up, if you take oh. if people take nothing else from this uh, um, from this podcast, mm-hmm. take this thing, take this one thing away. When the next set, when Neon Dynasty comes out, when the ne- and and every set after that, mm-hmm. look at look at the duels that are in that set, because they come out in almost every single set now. Look at them, and buy a playset, probably two or three playsets, and just keep doing that until you have enough duels that you can comfortably add whatever number you need to your decks. And just keep going. And it, you know, so yeah, if you don't buy four of each, you only buy one of each, fine. Mm-hmm. Because just keep doing it every set. And eventually you're going to have a ton of duels that will be there to fix a lot of your, a lot of your uh, mana issues. I've been, I've been buying dual lands, not, not necessarily originals. I've been buying, like, as they come out. And I have, you know, I have a stack of like 40 of them now. Wow. For each for each color pair. So I just go through them, pick out the ones that I want and however many I think I need and add them to a deck. So it just it just yeah. makes your build that much easier. Um, you know, obviously don't go overboard just because you've bought them all and you don't have to jam them all into one deck, but you've got them, you have them. They're always going to be worth it. They're just they're just always going to be worth it. I mean, yeah. you know, and on, I think that, even yeah. even like a guild gate, if you bought a bought a place at a guild gates, it's not hurting you. 
you didn't pay that much for it. It just sits there and you can use it now. And then when you don't have to use it anymore, you don't have to use it, whatever. Yeah. So. I think, yeah, I, I think the, the, the color fixing generally can be worth it, especially, I mean, even if it does come in tapped and I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like don't, don't <laughs> just shove it in a deck just because the deck has those colors. Um, but like, you know, experiment, uh, especially in like commander, if you're trying to build lower powered, like start with no basic or start with no, start with no, duels. start with no, no duels. Yeah. Um, see how it feels and then go from there. Like if you are like really struggling mm-hmm. to get that second color, then either adjust your, your, your balance or, I mean, put in a duel or two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I play and... I play low powered commander all the time, and I'm running some of the most expensive mana bases out there, um, because I want to be able to use my cards. Yeah. If I'm gonna, you know, the the last thing I want is to be, you know, scripting and you know playing careful because my my deck isn't quite as powered as somebody else's, only to find out I can't play my spells. That's insane. Buy real estate. Buy real estate. Just just do it. Yeah. Buy your land. I think it's interesting uh, because as a lesson for me, I mean, this all kind of comes back to like, well, I'll, because it's case by case, think critically of if the deck needs it. Uh, use as many basics as you can and uh, have that critical mass. Um of of lands like the the 40 or 24 whatever kind of deck you're building um and then beyond that like like it it play with the deck and unfortunately that's kind of what it kind of always comes down to is like you're not gonna know you're not gonna have the experience and and knowledge and and for a lack of a better term expertise of figuring out what your deck needs before playing it until you play it and then obviously years down the line of of just doing this over and over again i mean you've been playing for ever 20 25 years forever um since since ice age um yeah. and i've been playing for four so like i i don't ha- i i don't have that that initial reaction i don't have that initial like uh like this is the number uh you know i I watch people draft and stuff on on twitch and youtube and i'm like i i couldn't i couldn't figure that out i still can't um but like just play and you'll feel it you'll feel like with practice and that's the other thing too is what's tough is especially with commander because you're using so many cards like it's it's hard to tell because because it's so random it's hard to tell if it's it's the right spot you just gotta stop tinkering right just play it a bunch and then tinker um i think my my oven's preheated (laughs) (laughs) it's getting hot in here i gotta i gotta fill up my water i think it is time to wrap up it's it's perfect time to wrap up I'm going to go make some fish nuggets, some nuggies, uh, but uh, stay tuned for some cool uh, tips, tricks, lessons next week. We've got a really cool deck for you. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, Bruce is bringing in one of our favorite 60-card decks that uh, we hope that you love. One of Frankie's uh, favorite 60-card decks, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're Temple of False Bud, where decks are not optimized plays sure as heck are fun i'm andy i'm bruce thank you again so much for listening we'll see you next week and may your fifth land be the temple bye and then also your sixth land Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg.
Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!